Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today, we have Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? We're doing well. We're doing at it well. again. Yeah. Ready and raring to okay. solve all the problems. <laughs> they keep coming back. Now, are these the same problems that are keeping coming, or are yeah. they new ones? Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's just a continuation, you know, the same old story for the last 30 years, yeah. you know, ever since the Bush administration. It seems like uh, we've been working together since then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and there's a lot of similarities, you know. Matter of fact, they tell you things like, oh, this is just temporary and it'll be done and we're getting ready to get the troops out. We change administration. So... I think it's necessary to do our best to keep up to date on what they're doing, at least get some information out there. Yeah. But uh, some Americans aren't too interested in that, and, uh, but many others are, and our viewers certainly are interested, and we're very pleased with that. Yes. But we, we want to talk today a little bit and start off with, you, you know, preparation for more uh, warring activity. And I saw a headline, and I, uh, I have to look at it twice. It says U.S. military personnel on standby to support ground involvement. Uh, is that on our border? Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is that where these troops are? I didn't know it was getting that bad. Oh, no, I have it all wrong. It, it, when you really read the headline, it says um, U.S. military personnel in Iraq. <laughs> We're still there. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> I guess I lost that fight. Yeah. <laughs> Not only did the war go on, it's still going on. Put on standby to support ground involvement in Israel's war on Gaza. <laughs> so uh, that that's a little bit new. Most of the time they hide all the activity that we do, but we've been partners there for a long time. And uh, we've had, uh, you know, the UN uh, help set the standards over there and we're still facing the consequences of that but that's uh it's, that's that's not good uh but they said oh no we're not really getting ready to do that we we don't want uh you know uh, boots on the ground yeah. but, well why do they put boots on the ground yeah. if they don't they don't believe it that uh but but it is it's a step that uh always sends a warning always gives reassurance to the military industrial complex always preparation and in the very practical sense it uh, serves the interests uh, of the deep state uh, the uh, you, you know we have to uh, uh, you know ma maintain our world presence and yeah. people are reassured well we're not giving up on that and, and our Goal f the goal for many of them is to make sure it's bipartisan. You know, we don't want just one side, uh, you know, uh, uh, promoting the cause of peace. The big, the big trouble is, is we can find some people on both sides to a token effort, but we still have a long way to, to go to have the uh, have a point where uh, policies get to change. They talk yeah. a lot, but uh, I'm optimistic it'll change. For the better, I hope. Yeah. We know it's going to change, but we don't know which way it's going to go. But right now, it's running out of steam. Our foreign policy and monetary policy and spending policy, it's running out of steam. And all, all this stuff is just on the periphery. But it, it, sometimes it's, it's for a distraction, too. You know, get get people thinking about the Gaza war, then they don't think about Ukraine, yeah. and then if they don't if, if they don't think about that, maybe they won't think about our, our border. But guess what? They're thinking about our border oh, more yeah. than ever, and I think that's that's good. It's it's a pretty important issue. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about that uh, 
I think this week sometime maybe a little bit more. But it's funny how now all, there's a lot of jokes about it, but how all the conspiracy theories, sp theories of the past are conspiracy facts. You know, it used to be only the extremists would say, uh, you know, join the U.S. military, go fight and die for Israel. But now it, it almost looks literally like that. Now put this first clip up, and this is from The Intercept, and it came out yesterday. Uh, and as you point out, the article, this is Ken Klippenstein, who's a, who's a very good writer over there. U.S. military personnel in Iraq put on standby to support ground involvement in Israel's war in Gaza. Now, to clarify, this is not something that happened yesterday or the day before. What it is is a document. Now, go to the next one. You'll see what it is. Uh, it's a document obtained by the Intercept from the U.S. Air Force, and it describes military orders to be, quote, on standby to forward deploy to support troops in the case of on-ground U.S. involvement in the Israel-Hamas war. And that's a quote from the memo that the Air Force put out. And it was put out right after the October 7th attack after Biden sent an additional 2,000 troops uh, to Iraq. Those troops were apparently sent with orders to get ready to go and assist Israel in fighting in Gaza. That's apparently what it was said. So it's nothing new, but they newly... Uh, they newly uh, uh, got a hold of this memo, but it just goes to show what was going on behind the scenes just days after things happened. The first thought in Biden and his administration's mind, and the neocons that run his administration, wasn't how can we t dial this down? How can we prevent this from going you know, regional or if not worse? Their response is, how can we get American troops involved in this to fight for Netanyahu? And, and right, and it's not ignored by a lot of people here because of the possible consequences of uh, troops being close there or being involved. Now, the one thing that uh, I've been impressed with, and I've mentioned this before, and that is the demonstrations that have gone on for the last several months. Yeah. Uh, we knew there were frictions and there's been fighting and all this, but uh, you know, uh, it, it takes a lot to get thousands of people out there demonstrating for certain causes. But boy, there's been a lot of people demonstrating uh, in favor of the Palestinians and uh, having a lot of complaints about Israel. That, that's been sort of taboo. You're not supposed to do that. But if, any, if this expands, even this is just a warning that they're getting closer to that, uh, it, it very well could uh, expand, you know, the dissent in this country because it's breaking up political parties, you know, what, what should we do? And uh, the demonstrations are there. The Democrats are real more split on it than the Republicans. Unfortunately, the Republicans are more unified around warmongering, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, in a war machine. But both of them, deep down inside, when you look at it, regardless of their political party and all that's going on, uh, they do have a nonpartisan group out there called the Deep State and the Military Industrial Complex. You know, they'll work and finance anybody, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. Republican or Democrat or independent. And then every once in a while, they get, a, they get some... Uh, money to a person that they who's who's called himself libertarian give him some money that to me is really disgusting when yeah. when people preached non-interventionism and staying out of these wars and yet they sort of change their tune yeah. and uh, that, that that's discouraging no one like, bribes us with money why is that the case yeah. <laughs> and I always liked it because you know well we were working in Washington I had a couple uh, congressmen come and say what is this all about? 
why don't you tell me why you're doing it? How did you raise that money? We don't even know what you do, but they were sincere. Yeah. And some of them even shifted their, that, but that was rare. Too yeah. bad, <laughs> too bad there weren't many more. Yeah. <laughs> well, you talk about the Republicans. Now they are more or less uniform, but what they will say to Biden is, well, you got to come to us for permission before you go to war. And that really is only half the story because the other half is not only for permission, uh, but you have to come to us and you have to make the case why this is in our vital interest. You know, and that's important. Authorization is a formality. Uh, it's, you have to make the case for it and that's not something that you'll see. Certainly if you remember on the Hill, whenever we had hearings in the Foreign Affairs Committee, the International Relations Committee it was called then, it was never here's a guy for war and here's a guy against war. It was always five guys and gals for war. You know, and that was, that was a debate. That was a debate. Now, it's, yeah, now how are you voting? You've just heard everyone saying we need a war. So, but anyway, put on this next, this is from the article, um, and, uh, and this goes to show that we already were there, and this is an important part, I think. Uh, now, Kirby said on October 17th, there are no plans or intentions to put U.S. boots on the ground in combat in Israel, but as we've said, we have significant national security interests in the region. I would be interested to know what those are. They may differ from what we view, but here's the part I wanted to share, Dr. Paul. Two days after Kirby's remarks, remember this was a little scandal at the time, the White House inadvertently shared a picture of President Joe Biden in Israel posing alongside members of the secretive U.S. Special Operations Units before quickly deleting it. So he was there with U.S. troops on the ground in Israel as the fighting started. And they said, uh-oh, we just revealed our, our, our secret troops in here. <laughs> You know, they, they talk about this is necessary to for our national security and to protect our national interest. I hate that term of national interest yeah. because you, you know that's uh, uh, not exactly true because when we're over there, uh, our reaction generally is, you know, that's that's threatening our national interest because they might retaliate. You know, they might have a reason for you know bombing one of our establishments. How many how many American establishments that that we considered rather sacred all over Europe? What a couple hundred or a hundred or a large number yeah. have been bombed just because Americans might be in there. Yep. And uh, that that is. Uh, you know, this whole idea that we're there for national security reasons. Uh, even the Republicans, when they had a chance to do something, they said that national security required that, well, we, uh, you know, it was uh, Obama, of course, said that we had to get rid of, uh, of uh, the, the Assad. Yeah. And yet he, he was, they didn't, uh, they didn't get rid of Assad. He's, he's still there, but we have control of the oil. You know, and so, uh, you know, remember when it first started, the real, that a couple lefty women <coughs> come in that were on, right on the issue of saying, it's, don't you people know it's all about oil? <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it really, I don't know if it's all about oil, but oil is a big deal and big we're, deal. we're still there. You know, you'd think we, and yet we're producing oil and once we go lean toward anything free market, our production production goes up and yet they worry about it. they're so insecure that they well we we have to make make sure that the, the oil supply is out there 
but I think it's uh, it's the obsession with empire and insecurity that uh, they don't understand how markets work. Eventually, this type of an attitude ruins markets, doesn't help markets. So, uh, but they're always assuming that government intervention, you know, sanctions and bombs and threats uh, will pr provide the security that we need. And yet, uh, every day, I think our security becomes more endangered. Yeah, and you talk about the oil. I was reading an article last night by our friend Larry Johnson, who's spoken at our events before, former CIA, former U.S. military, and he had a good piece out yesterday. There is a lot about the oil, but what's interesting is the areas of Syria that the U.S. illegally occupies and the areas of Iraq that the Kurds are in control of that are not in control of Baghdad they're selling oil at under market prices to Israel to subsidize them. So <laughs> right. part of the reason we there is oil, but because for, for that. So a lot of people might say, you know, come on, you guys, this is far fetched. The idea that we're going to send troops to fight for Israel. And I would say probably not today or tomorrow. They may even put out a community note saying these guys are wrong. They've already denied it. But there's nothing as sure in Washington as something that they deny, right? <laughs> Have you noticed the one enemy hasn't totally disappeared yet? Because when they need, well, when they need another justification, ISIS, yeah. ISIS is still there. ISIS, you yeah. got to watch out. It pops up. <laughs> oh, no, I think they're worrying about them being diminished, so we have to stir them up. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Come on, so, guys. so we get more threats from them. But no, it's uh, no, e either they're serious or dumb. We never could quite figure that out. Yeah. But, uh, or but uh, it's they still use that. You know, we keep troops in there, and that can be used by Republicans or Democrats. Oh yeah. It's convenient. Well, one last quote on this uh, on this article in the Intercept, and we encourage people to read it. There's a lot of interesting information on it. Um, but they quote a senior uh, military official, uh, a militia official. If you put that next one on, um, if we have, there we go. So as we said before, if the U.S. keeps supporting Israel, there will be escalations. The senior militia official, and that's a, uh, the official in the region, the resistance all U.S. interests in the region are legitimate targets. We don't care about U.S. threats to response. So they're saying we will attack. It's going to escalate. The U.S. is going to be involved directly as long as the U.S. keeps su supporting Israel in the region. And we're certainly not doing Israel any favor by writing them a blank check. That is right. Now, there's uh, another fan. Uh uh, that uh, we have to be careful, not not a fan, not, not another danger that we have to <laughs> alert people to. And uh, this, I th when we were talking before, I pointed out this is an irony because everybody's looking for bipartisanship. Yeah. Now the individual we're going to talk about is very bipartisan. She'll work with either side, but the side that she works with is pro-war yep. and pro-you uh, know military-industrial complex and uh, the empire. And that happens to be uh, somebody by the name of uh, Newland. Yep. You know, she she's worked with Republicans and Democrats. But uh, this week there was a rumor going around that uh, they were going to take the troops out of Iraq and Syria. Yeah, of course, yeah. it's been around for a while, and even Trump had to dance around that thing. But he, he still left the troops in Syria. Oh, yeah. But she didn't like that. She had to stop that rumor from going on. And uh, this article by uh, Zero Hedge, it says, For several days there had been a flurry of reports in both independent and mainstream media outlets suggesting the U.S. could finally withdraw American troops from Iraq and Syria. Well, if it were true, we'd say, well, that's encouraged. Right? Then we yeah. do that because we can't afford them anymore. Why are we uh, putting 
you know, why are we saving money to send to Ukraine? You know, this sort of thing. But uh, she, she's a mouthpiece, and uh, it's, still, it's still rather amazing to me how these people operate. Uh, but there must be something behind the scenes that makes sure that they're, they're, they're solid. You yeah. know, she's solid in what she's doing, and it's almost opposite oh. uh, of what we want. Exactly. Well, put up that next clip because it's the article we're talking about. So there was these rumors, and I even I think I wrote about it in an update to our subscribers at Ron Paul Institute. Uh, there are rumors that we were in talks to try to get the troops out because they keep getting attacked and they keep getting killed and they keep getting uh, traumatic brain injuries and they're not serving any purpose. So it makes a lot of sense to bring them out. Uh, the only people who don't want to bring them out are the neocons who actually want them to get hurt because that serves as a tripwire. But so here are the rumors here. Now go to the next one. Now here's a tweet that was put out. Victoria Newland, she could not stand these rumors. Uh, Dagny Taggart put this tweet out. The United States has no plans to withdraw its troops from Syria. Here's what Victoria Newland said, quote, first, let me set the record straight. The United States is not withdrawing from Syria. Uh, and as we know, wherever there's trouble in the world, wherever there's murder, mayhem, and death and destruction, Victoria Newland, blank the EU Newman, Luna, you, is there. You know, it's terrible, and that should be dismissed rather easily. It shouldn't even have to be reported. But when we look at this, at least it, it, it does to me, it makes me think this is important because she's speaking for some powerful people. It's not like she's talking to herself. You know, it, she has probably more authority than our president yeah. has when she tells them something. No, she's, she is a mouthpiece. She's been around and uh, she's uh, high up in both administrations. And uh, that's, that's where our real problem is. And then the distraction that goes on so often about some of these uh, fights, this budget fight in the, in the House and Senate, it, it is so silly because, you know, no cuts are going to be made. Yeah. And, and they're going to keep doing it. And they have these big policy studies. And it doesn't matter because, uh, what was it, they already had some emergency funding. Oh, there's an emergency. And they, they do what they do, what they think they have to, and they have the arm, not only the military arm to back them up, they have the financial arm, because for some reason or another, you know, all the debt gets monetized. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. there's, a, there's always somebody who's gonna buy that debt, and of course, the, the American people get stuck with it because, you, you know, the Federal Reserve buys it and prints the money, you guess what? <laughs> Prices go up. Yeah. Well, how'd that happen? That happen? Yeah. <laughs> Profits. Well, yeah, Profits for some people. Well, Victoria Newland is not just a one-person mayhem machine. She's number two at the State Department. She has been confirmed. She's under Secretary of State. And I was looking around, well, who's a good person to describe what she's really about? Of course, we turn to our friend Glenn Greenwald. And this is a tweet he put out early last year, April of 2023, when she was appearing before a uh, House committee uh, uh, on the Hill, and this, uh, this particular hearing, by the way, I, I, I could have played it, but she, what she's saying is, she says, uh, I'm very happy to see that the Nord Stream pipeline is a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. Uh, rough quote of what she said to the committee here. This was the Senate. Um, so she's also pro-terrorism because that was a terrorist act. But Glenn Greenwald reminds us back then Victoria Newland worked for the Clinton administration. Then she served as Dick Cheney's senior advisor on the Iraq War. Then she worked for the Hillary and Kerry State Departments under Obama, running Ukraine. Now she runs Ukraine for Biden. The only time she wasn't in power was under Trump, 
which is a little bit ironic because he was supposedly the big warmonger. So here is Victoria Newland. She's always there. She doesn't care if it's Dick Cheney or Barack Obama. As long as you're involved in war, she's ready for the uh, she's ready for the assignment. Her husband, by the way, is Fred Kagan. You'll remember Fred from our hearings on the Hill from the committee when he was the one that they would trot down there. The surge is going great. You know, just a few more troops, you know, 8,000 pound Fred Kagan. A few more troops and we'll win this war. You know. Doesn't happen, does yeah, it? Yeah. You know, there's one quote from this argument. There was a blog there that I'm going to read it. And uh, you have to be careful because it's pretty strong. Uh oh. And uh -oh. it says, She loves having American troops killed in places like Syria. It brings the U.S. closer to the neocon fantasy of war with Iran. She reviews members of the U.S. military as mere cattle. More mere pawns. The people in charge of American foreign policy hate America. Now, where'd that come from? Who would write that? Uh, <laughs> it's you! Oh, no. You did that! And you got published! Oh. oh, boy. My Twitter feed can be spicy at times. There should be definitely a warning on it, uh, but uh, I'm not a big fan of, of hers. But so far, so good. We're still independent. <laughs> and we still do our best to seek the truth. Yep. Well, the last thing we want to cover is really fascinating because it has to do with all of this with foreign policy, but it's not directly related to the U.S. It has to do with, with Hungary, a country I know very, very well, uh, and the EU. And let's put on this next one. Dave DeCamp gives us a great summary on antiwar.com today. Uh, the EU plans to sabotage Hungary's... Uh, go back one if you can. The EU plans to sabotage Hungary's economy if Orban blocks Ukraine aid. Now, the EU has already given hundreds of you know, at least 100 billion euros in a losing cause in Ukraine. We talked, we've talked about it many times about how plenty of it just disappears in people's pockets. You know, Zelensky's pocket up his nose. We never know where it goes. However, they want to send them 50 billion more. This size Ukraine is so obviously losing that even, you, you know, the Ukrainian government is recognizing they're losing. And Viktor Orban in Hungary, member of the EU, the European Union, they have equal votes. He's saying, you know what? I don't think this is such a great idea. I don't want to send 50 billion more euros. And so this, this memo was uncovered and the Financial Times uh, wrote on it, which is that the European Union, Brussels, is planning basically to go to war with Hungary and destroy its economy because the Hungarian government doesn't want to go along with this. Now, what do you expect to happen? <laughs> it's yeah, it's a, it's a big deal because you know, I, I was listening to my, my favorite show, and I'll plug them again, The Duran. I love Alexander Mercurius and Alex Cristoforo. I think they're the best analysts out there. I was listening to it on the way in today, and Cristoforo was asking Mercurius about, well, what do you make of this? And Mercurius, who's he's got a long, long history, he's a walking encyclopedia, he says the European Union has become the Warsaw Pact because the Warsaw Pact was a collection of sovereign states. They were all sovereign unless and until one of those states challenged Moscow, challenged the party line, and then guess what? It tanks into Prague. You know, when the Czechoslovaks were interested in a little bit better relations with Germany in 68, well, Brezhnev, you know, instituted the Brezhnev Doctrine and said, we're going in with tanks. And that's exactly what they've done. And if you go into this next clip, so this is the FT's article. You can see it here. Um, but go to the next one. This is absolutely, here's the article here you can look at. The next one is astonishing if you go to it. Uh, the EU will sabotage Hungary's economy 
If Budapest blocks fresh aid. Now by block, that means they're voting against it. They don't want to send the aid. They are going to block, they're going to destroy their economy. The document dropped by EU officials and seen by the Financial Times, they have out, Brussels has outlined a strategy to explicitly target Hungary's economic weaknesses, imperil its currency, and drive a collapse in investor confidence in a bid to hurt jobs and growth if Budapest refuses to lift its veto on aid. That is literally going to war with Hungary. And, you know, you describe all those problems, but they also must face the same debate that's growing in this country. Where, where are they going to get the money? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, if they do that. But uh, but they they have to work on the assumption, you know, that uh, Russia's going to invade Europe. Yeah, you know? yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's going to be the same, same old struggle. But... Um, and I, we're always in the middle. That's my big gripe. And uh, they wouldn't be even pretending they can get away with it because they know that uh, we still run the show because we still have the military and we still have the finances and, and the reserve currency of the world. But every single day you can find an article where there's a weakening. Bank bankrupts a big bankruptcy yesterday and it, it's going to continue and uh, th th that fortunately I hope it slows the, slows the stand but on the other hand the more dictatorial government is and the poorer the country gets sometimes they'll say we'll keep the people busy we'll have a draft yeah so watch out for any in information where where well they are already look well, in Ukraine yeah. they draft uh, well in the UK they said we're going to need to have a draft we're going to have to start thinking about a draft again yeah, yeah that that's a good luck very with bad that sign. <laughs> good luck with that that's going to work out well <laughs> so anyway i guess we're about done um, and i just want to thank our viewers for watching the show as i often say just click like it only takes a half a second um, uh, I will be plugging our conference in April down here in sunny Brazoria County. I'll put a link in there where you can check out the tickets and come join us and the Mises Institute. Tom DiLorenzo is going to be there. Uh, it's going to be great to see him. A few other great speakers, so we're going to have a blast. Yes, sounds good to me. I think I, I, think I will come. You, yes, you're going to be here. <laughs> that is good. I'm looking forward to it because I, I'm very selfish in the sense that I go because, you know, it's a benefit to me. And they say, well, we're coming to see you. I say, no, but I'm coming to hear from you because that is where I got my understanding is, is just finding out what the people ask. You could learn more by somebody finally asking a question and one out of 10,000 there would be another member come and ask me an honest question and they're worth they're worth a lot of a lot to you and trying to explain things because people have to be curious and that's the, to me one of the most wonderful things in the world is that we are born curious some more curious than others and that that is why asking good questions is very beneficial and that's how people learn that's why you know our school has uh, deteriorated because because we haven't, we, we, we are indoctrinating people on certain philosophies and you, this is it, this is it. And, uh, and not in saying, well, how do you discuss something? How do you ask questions? Why aren't you curious about it? Especially in science, you would think, well, they can't do that in science. You know, uh, it, it's definable by science, you know, but uh, here they do, they come along and they think they can change language and languages and various the languages and in uh, the doctor have gone along with it and just think of what happened with the lockdown invasion of our liberties and all unconstitutional and very very damaging and you think by now it would be over and done with and dead 
But there's still planners in our government saying there will be another one. We know it. It's going to be another one and we better be prepared. Well, yes, we better be prepared to combat that nonsense. And uh, that's what I think that we should all be involved in. Being prepared to answer the questions and uh, explain why the whole world is better off it accepts a philosophy of peace and prosperity by volunteerism and emphasizing personal liberty. I believe that is a worthy goal. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.